Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder here from Silver and Black Pride. I'm back after a brief hiatus with the holiday last week for another Friday episode to go over the news, injury report, and answer your mailbag questions. Reminder, to have your questions answered on the show, tweet them at me at mholder95 or email them to sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. Again, that's at mholder95 on Twitter or sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. I also wanted to take a chance to apologize to you guys for not delivering a Behind Enemy Lines podcast this week. I know some of you guys look forward to that episode every week, and unfortunately, I reached out to several people that cover the Washington football team and either couldn't get a response or they just didn't have the time. Trust me. No one is more frustrated about that than me. I did all the prep that I normally do for the show and reached out to more people that I ever have had to this season, and it just couldn't work out, unfortunately. Luckily, next week is the Chiefs, so I should be able to get Steven Serta back on, which could be interesting and a little different since he'll be our first repeat guest of the season. Enough of that, though. Let's get to the news. Okay, so technically this isn't Raiders news, but I wanted to welcome and let you guys know about a new writer and member of the Silver and Black Pride team, Ray Aspura. I've worked with Ray in the past over at the Raider Ramble, and I can tell you guys that he's an excellent writer who always brings an interesting perspective about the silver and black. Ray has over 20 years of experience covering the Raiders, dating back to his print days up in Eureka, California. Shout out Humboldt County. Make sure you check out his work and give him a follow on Twitter, at Rainmaker82, at R-A-Y-N-M-A-K-E-R-82. We'll start off the actual news with some injury news, and that's the Raiders have designated starting cornerback Trayvon Mullen to return from injured reserve. For those of you that don't know or in case you forgot, Mullen has been on IR since week 4 against the Chargers and the team has used a combination of Amick Robinson, Brandon Faison, and Desmond Trufant as replacements. Of those three, Faison stood out and started the most, but teams have begun to pick on him a little bit more in coverage and he's starting to struggle a bit, so Mullen's imminent return will be a welcome sight. The Raiders have three weeks to elevate him to the active roster, but typically when they designate someone to return, they usually come back in the next week or so. At this time, there's no word on if Mullen will be ready to go for Sunday, but it does seem hopeful that he'll at least be ready to go for the crucial matchup in Kansas City next week. On a related but side note, if Mullen can't play this week against the Washington football team, expect to see more of Trufant given facing struggles that I mentioned. In partnership with USAA and as a part of the NFL's Salute to Service initiative, Raiders punter A.J. Cole, tight end Darren Waller, linebacker Corey Littleton, and a few Raiderettes spent an off day with Nellis Air Force Base in North Las Vegas. The group basically spent some time with the service members for a meet and greet and to sign some autographs to acknowledge and thank them for their sacrifices. Silver and Black Pride's Bill Williamson got to talk with Cole about the event, and Cole raved about how awesome it was to meet all the military members and see what they do on a daily basis. And the punter even pointed out some similarities between being an NFL player and being in the military, stating, What we do is of course very different, but the training part of it is very similar. Most of our jobs and duties consist of training with small windows of performance, but we all have to be ready to do our jobs when called upon with great precision. There is a common ground we share with the same goals. It was great to talk to like-minded people. Personally, I always love these types of stories about the Raiders as it shows that the players do care about the men and women who make sacrifices for our country. There's a full video up on the Raiders website that captures the majority of the day, so make sure to check that out when you get a chance. 
In more uplifting Raiders news that's coincidentally also about a special teamer, Daniel Carlson was named last week's AFC Specialist of the Week for the second time this season. Carlson made all of his extra points and went 5 of 5 on his field goal attempts, including a 56 yarder late in the fourth quarter to give the Raiders the lead in regulation right before the Cowboys tied it up, and then he hit one more clutch kick in the overtime to seal the W. This was the fourth time Carlson has earned the honor since he joined the team as a rookie back in 2018, and he's creeping up on Sebastian Janikowski's team record for special teams POW honors, who had 7 in 17 seasons. Cash Money Carlson had hit a bit of a rough patch this season, so it's awesome to see him return to his clutch form. Speaking of Raiders getting awards for their Thanksgiving Day performances, Derek Carr won last week's FedEx Air NFL Player of the Week award. Carr completed 24 of 39 passes for 373 yards, a touchdown, and 101.8 passer rating, and of course, he had his fair share of contributions to the team's game-winning drives as well. CBS Sports recently reported that Raiders owner Mark Davis hasn't begun his search for the team's next head coach. Davis is instead focused on the team's playoff push and wants to worry about his head coaching decision until after the season, as the team sits at 6-5 and five and in a three-way tie for the AFC's third wildcard spot. That says to me that interim head coach Rich Passaccia at least has a fighter's chance at landing the full-time gig moving forward and obviously leading the team to a postseason for the, just the second time in about 20 years with strength in his case. I think the results of this week's game against the Washington football team could change Davis' approach as well. If the Raiders win, they'll be two games above 500, while the two teams they are tied with, the Chargers and the Broncos, draw other playoff teams as opponents this week with the Chargers taking on the Bengals and the Broncos facing the Chiefs. If the Raiders lose, they'll be right at 500 and have nothing but playoff quality opponents left on the schedule in the Chiefs, Browns, Broncos, Colts, and Chargers. In other words, this is a big swing game that could be a big factor in the team's playoff hopes, so it could alter Davis's plan for finding Las Vegas' next head coach. At this point, I'm sure most of you have seen the video of Dallas Cowboys defensive tackle Tristan Hill punching Raiders guard John Simpson after the Thanksgiving game. I just wanted to give you guys an update that Hill was suspended for one game last night or Thursday against the Saints after he was originally handed a two-game suspension from the NFL, which he obviously appealed and got the suspension reduced. We'll wrap up the news section with a few roster transactions. On Thursday, the Raiders signed veteran safety Kayvon Fraser to the practice squad. Fraser was drafted in the sixth round out of Central Michigan by the Cowboys back in 2016. He spent three seasons in Dallas before spending last year in Miami with the Dolphins, and he was cut during training camp by the Bengals earlier this season. Fraser has primarily been a reserve and special teams player throughout his career, and has 73 total tackles, one sack, one forced fumble, and one PBU in his career. In a corresponding move, the Raiders released tackle DJ Fluker from the practice squad. Fluker's release is a bit of a surprise since the Raiders have had issues at a right tackle all season, and many people, including myself, thought he might be a potential solution to that problem. However, it's pretty telling that he's been on the practice squad for a while now and never got the call up, so expect to continue to see Brandon Parker holding down the right side until further notice. The Raiders also waived wide receiver Dylan Stoner this week, which could be a sign that Mullen is ready to go soon. Stoner has barely seen the field this season, and the team didn't make any other moves other than designating Mullen to return, so it's very plausible that the wideout's release could mean more good news about the cornerback is on its way. Moving on to the injury report, and we'll start with the worst part and get that over and done with. Darren Waller went down in last week's game and didn't return with what was later revealed as an IT band strain. That was good news at the time since the fear was a potential season-ending injury, but Waller hasn't practiced all week and Coach Passaccia said that the tight end is quote-unquote week-to-week with his injury. It's also worth noting that the injury report lists that he has a back injury as well. 
I'd imagine that means Waller won't play this weekend, or at least won't be 100%, so I'd expect Foster Moreau to take on a bigger role in the offense, much like he did when the Raiders faced another NFC East opponent in the Philadelphia Eagles earlier this season. That was Moreau's most productive game of the year, with six catches for 60 yards and a touchdown. Defensive end Carl Nassib also exited the Cowboys game early with an injury, and he is considered week-to-week as well with a knee injury. Nassib hasn't practiced all week, so I'd expect to see more of Cleveland Farrell on Sunday. And I know a lot of people might be calling for Malcolm Kuntz to get some playing time, which is certainly an option, but Kuntz hasn't seen the field yet this season, so we'll see if that changes now that the team is down a pass rusher. Patrick Owasso hasn't practiced all week with a hamstring injury, but fellow linebacker Nick Wachowski did return to practice in a limited capacity this week, so I don't think Owasso's absence will be noticed too much, assuming he doesn't play. To wrap up the DNPs, Deshaun Jackson was limited on Wednesday, but didn't practice on Thursday with a calf injury. Of course, Jackson's absence is a little frightening at first glance, but I don't think the team would have released Dylan Stoner if they were worried about Jackson's availability for Sunday, so my gut tells me him sitting out is more precautionary. Jackson also downplayed his injury in a press conference this week, and he did turn 35 on Wednesday, so I'm sure all of you old farts listening can relate to your body just needing a day off. As for the limited and full participants this week, I already mentioned Kwiatkowski's limited return to the practice field. Cornerback Keyson Nixon was also limited this week with an ankle, and the same goes for running back Josh Jacobs, who wasn't listed on Wednesday's injury report, but was limited on Thursday with a bum ankle. As for the FP guys, Brandon Faison was a full go with a concussion, John Simpson with the shoulder, Zay Jones also with the shoulder, Markel Lee ankle, and John Simpson with ribs and knee injuries. And that'll do it for this week's Raiders injury report. For the football team, they actually have a few noteworthy injuries. Hybrid safety slash linebacker Landon Collins hasn't practiced all week with a foot injury, and backup cornerback Benjamin St. Juice was placed on injured reserve with a concussion. Collins is a staple of Washington's defense, and St. Juice has been a solid rookie DB for them that's been in their cornerback rotation all season, so some key losses, especially if Collins can't go. Offensively, lineman Wes Schleitzer hasn't practiced all week with an ankle, and Eric Flowers missed Thursday with a foot. The football team's offensive line has been one of their strengths this season, and those two are major reasons why, so they could be big losses if they end up being inactive. Backup running back J.D. McKissick also hasn't practiced all week with a concussion, and he's been a big part of their passing game out of the backfield all season. Alright, wrapping up the show, as always, with your questions. Reminder, to submit your questions on Twitter, tweet them at me at mholder95, or email them to sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. First up, the wide receiver we signed from the Chargers. What's up with him? So the player we're talking about here is Tyron Johnson, and he's still on the practice squad. He just obviously hasn't been elevated to the 53-man roster at this point. I think when the Raiders brought him in, obviously, you know, there's a lot of fanfare and everyone's excited, including myself, because he is a deep threat and obviously that was a big need. But I think the plan was to always kind of keep him as a backup plan in case Deshaun Jackson didn't end up working out or in case they weren't able to sign Deshaun Jackson because I think they might have brought on uh, on Johnson before they signed Jackson or that signing was official. But I think it's kind of uh, going as planned right now. I think if we see a week where maybe Deshaun Jackson doesn't contribute as much, maybe Tyron Johnson gets elevated. But I think that's kind of always been the plan with him, like I mentioned, is that he's just kind of going to be uh, in case of an emergency. And with Deshaun Jackson having a big week last week, we might not see uh, Tyron Johnson anytime soon. But then again, if uh, Jackson has another kind of pedestrian or run-of-the-mill week, we could see them change it up. But yeah, right now he's still in the practice squad, just uh, – not really a spot for him on the roster. Maybe the release of Dylan Stoner. Maybe that elevates Johnson. Who knows? Maybe that's what uh, they've seen in practice. But as of right now, still around, just uh, not on the team or not on the 53-man, I should say. Next question, thoughts on the likelihood of the Raiders' offense playing well from here out? Well, 
the homer in me wants to think that seeing last week that they've kind of figured it out. And now that Deshaun Jackson is more familiar with the playbook, more chemistry with Derek Carr, they'll be able to go back to having that same success or similar success to that they had at the beginning of the season where they're putting up 24, 30 points a game. And I think that's definitely a possibility, but I think this week's going to tell me a lot about if how much success they can have for the rest of the season, for the five games rest, for the uh, rest of the way. The reason being is part of the reason why I think the, Ca- the Raiders had so much success against the Cowboys, the Cowboys' defense is actually kind of similar to the Raiders where they don't really have those two guys or those two safeties that have enough range and speed to be able to play the two high safety looks that have given a lot of the league or a lot of quarterbacks in the league trouble, especially Derek Carr. And the Cowboys tried to run a lot of man coverage against the Raiders, which Derek Carr picks apart. And that's part of why I think Carr had a lot more success with, uh, especially with Deshaun Jackson. So I'd like to see what Washington does. I'd like to see if Washington continues to, or if Washington gets in that too high look and it still gives the Raiders trouble before I've made any sort of definitive statement. But I definitely think them getting more chemistry, like I said, Deshaun Jackson having more chemistry with Derek Carr and getting more familiar with the playbook was a good sign. It was a very comforting sign to see last week. That was something, regardless of the outcome of the game, I wanted to see from the Raiders. And obviously that we got that. Those three catches that he had, I think he ended up going over 100 yards too. That's exactly what they need from Deshaun Jackson. And I think if they can get that, again, it doesn't have to be a large volume of plays like I keep saying ever since Henry Ruggs has been gone. But if they can get those few plays that at least force teams to honor someone deep and not kind of play uh, play or bracket Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro every week, uh, then I think the Raiders offense can have a lot of success. And also Darren Waller's health is going to be a big factor in that as well. So kind of a wait and see, probably not the answer you were looking for, but I definitely am optimistic about the Raiders offense kind of getting back to form and being able to play like we did, like we saw them at the beginning of the season. Last one for today. How do you think the Raiders offensive line stacks up against Washington's defensive line? Well, to be honest with you, I'm a little bit nervous about it. I think not having Chase Young and Montez Sweat will be huge because obviously those are two guys that are pretty good edge rushers that uh, could give the Raiders trouble, especially Brandon Parker trouble on the outside. But what I am worried about is what Jonathan Allen and uh, Deron Payne can do on the inside. Obviously, or at least for uh, Allen's case, he's one of the best pass rushers on the inside all year. He's up there with Aaron Donald and pressures, PFF pass rush grade, all those good stats, um, sacks too. And then Deron Payne doesn't have quite the same volume of numbers, but he's still been a pretty good pass rusher on the inside too. So I'm a little worried about how they stack up in that realm. The good news is I don't think Allen's a great run defender and neither is Payne. So maybe the Raiders can get uh, the running game back on track a little bit this week, having two defensive ends out and then having two guys in interior that are more known for their pass rush skills than, uh, than their run defense. So that is the kind of silver lining of it. But yeah, I'm definitely worried about how that stacks up. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm kind of constantly worried about that. That's kind of been the theme with the Raiders this year, but we'll see what happens. I am more comfortable that they, that it is someone on the interior and their edges aren't going to be notable people because that means you can double and you can put more attention on Allen on the inside and not have to worry about Colton Miller uh, holding down the edge. And hopefully Brandon Parker can can win some one-on-one blocks in, uh, against someone who isn't quite as a, exactly a premier pass rusher, but we will see what happens. Well, guys, that about does it for this week's pod. Please make sure to subscribe, download, rate, and review, and tell all of your friends about the podcast, and follow me on Twitter at mholder95, follow Silver and Black Pride, and other than that, until next time.